listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you enjoy 9 and I know you do because you're listening to this episode, I want you to go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribe to the I Love 9 level of our Patreon. Uh, what that does is it gets you access to Garbage Time. Garbage Time is a bonus episode that we record bi-weekly after we record the main episode. On this week's Garbage Time, we talk about Scott and his relationship to Ben Grimm the Thing. Uh, we talk a little bit about Marvel Snap and AI images, you know, potentially ruining comic books. But on this, the main episode, we get real nerdy. Real, real nerdy up in this. Uh, seriously, half the episode is John dismantling Dungeons & Dragons as a game. He thinks it sucks, and he thinks that the game is bad, and you shouldn't play it. Or you should play it, and you should ask, you know, Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast to be better with their game. Uh, I went to go see Wu-Tang and Nas, so, you know, uh, we talked a lot about old-school New York City hip-hop after uh, we talked a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. I don't think there's a lot of shows that do that. Anyway, and at the end of the episode, John gets assigned a new best movie ever. I'll listen to softball in october without needing like undergear it's like no thermal stuff like, it wasn't that cold on the weekend it was warm. I, I i've played fall ball deep into october before and normally i need to wear like thermal under stuff right like look at this like football players wear kind of stuff that i put under my my jersey and this was not this weekend this was moisture wicking. Please stop me from sweating. It is 28 degrees and brilliantly sunny October. And I'm chafing. Yeah. <laughs> like, whew. I, I was, I was in the washroom getting ready and Sarah was watching the news uh, this morning and we heard, they were like interviewing Torontonians about the, like the warm weather or whatever else like that. And yeah, it's like, there's like just some woman on or whatever else. And um, she was like, Oh, I like the warm weather. It's like nice, and she's like winter and blah 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 blah. I was like, okay, boomer. And Sarah was just like from the other room. She's like, she was a boomer. And the next <laughs> one was just sort of like, you know, I like fall as much as the next gal, but like whatever. I was like, okay, Karen. And Sarah was like, her name was actually Karen. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that's that's the news report. Then they had like some sensible person being like, yeah, the weather's nice, but it's kind of upsetting when you think about it. I'm like, yeah, that's that's the take, is you're like, well, mm-hmm. I I can't do anything about it immediately, so I'll play some softball with the with the crew, I guess. But like but something's is, definitely wrong. Yeah, in the back of your head you're like, This isn't okay. Like I was we were up at the cabin and I was like, Oh yeah, let's, you know, just go for a nice little like kayak or whatever and like you're just in t shirts and stuff as opposed to like if you were going out you'd probably want a jacket and pants and everything else. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's it's Nice, but not okay. And everything's on fire. Uh, John, mm-hmm. uh, you, you sir, said you had a had a big hot hot story, a hot in depth, in depth, the top of the hour, right off the presses, uh, timely, what, timely, and important. What are imperative? We, is this a, urgent? Like, uh, what do you call it? Like a um, GameStop? A no. Yeah. No, a happening? A happening? No, it's not a happening. It's not a happening at all. Okay, it is um, Dungeons and Dragons. That's the, well, okay. The brand new, the brand new game that brand new hot, hot, er, the hot, hot off the presses. Hot okay, game. so here's what's going on. Okay, 
it is actually kind of timely to be talking about D&D. My, I have a thesis for my presentation here for you guys here today. Oh, okay. Oh, my. Okay. You ready? Right. Uh, Chris, Chris gonna, Pine okay. saved the brand. <laughs> Maybe. So I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say my thesis. I'm gonna give a bunch of supporting arguments, and then I'm gonna like tie it all together. Okay. The, uh, the thing here, here. yeah, there will be. There, there's like we're gonna go through a bunch of different topics that are a little bit complicated. And it's very easy to go down and get lost into details, and I don't want to do that. I want to focus on like like supporting arguments for my thesis, and then we'll 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 tie it all together at the end. Okay. Okay. So you got to tell me, each of you guys, you can jump out and say when when you have gotten what I'm the point I'm trying to make. We'll see. We're going to see when we get there. Let me give you a little preamble here, okay? So D and D, gentlemen, Dungeons and Dragons, the tabletop role playing game. Is, Just so is you know, fucked. hang on. You sound better when you lean into the computer. I think your mic might be the computer mic, and your headset might be oh. doing nothing. That's actually possible. Is this? Uh, is it? Is it messing everything up? No, no, no. It's, you sound better. Just lean. Get the computer closer right. to your face. I'll move the computer a little closer. <laughs> so Dini is fucked. Okay. Yeah. That's that's the thesis. Is that it is the the rules are completely fucked. Oh, okay. So and we're talking about the rules, not the like financially financial viability of the product. Well, I do think that they, the, the rules lead to the financial viability of the product. Yeah, that's true. There are competing products available, like Riffs. Mm-hmm. Part well, of the part rules of the are not fucked. <laughs> Sorry, John. The rules are not fucked. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, is that D and D is like the front page of the the hobby of tabletop yeah. tabletop role playing gaming. So if D and D is fucked, is bad for the whole hobby. There's no there's no way to argue against that. The other thing is that D and D is is owned by Hasbro, mm-hmm. and Hasbro expects to get a certain return from their 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 games. And if they decide at some point that like we don't want to be in D and D anymore, we just want to get as much money as we can out of it, and then and then and then exit it'll it'll look pretty ugly and shitty and and like the whole brand will be smashed to pieces probably forever so ideally we're not going to get there the other thing that's going on is that there is the one D process going on right now where they they are making updates to the rules and they're consulting with the players in a in like a semi-public give and take they're on the seventh update of the D one rules that they're sharing so there is actually a bit of timeliness to to this discussion, and they've shown Wizards has shown that they're willing to actually listen to people when they criticize and, and push back against things. The problem right. is John, that the changes. Can, John, yeah. can you back that up for me? Sure. They're on the seventh update of D and D one. I have no idea what that means. Yeah, so we're we're on the fifth we're, edition we're of the into D&D Xbox rules. naming conventions here. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's Xbox. They've rolled around after D and D five back to D and D one. Like a Mor- it, Mortal Kombat a, too, right? Mortal Kombat it, one is yeah. coming out. <laughs> it's a working title, so I, I like I you know whatever. Uh-huh. Okay, All right, so, so so there is a reason after, to talk about this after fifth ed. There's more. Yeah, but but fifth ed working title was D and D next, right? And then I think yeah. I think is it still officially D and D next, or are they just like wait a second, it's fifth ed, and we're just confusing uh, people? I'm not so sure. I don't know that anybody really. They might even just re- have released it under the title of Dungeons and Dragons and not even said an edition attached to it. But mm-hmm. it surely is the fifth edition of the rules. Mm-hmm. So my intention here today, I'm gonna I want to explain to you guys why the rules are fucked. Okay. And it's my intention to do it without getting into the math or like the details, because we could go and talk like we could argue about whether the, the rules for haste should involve a stun at the end of the spell being cast. But like that, that type of criticism is polishing the, the like deck chairs on the Titanic. There are like wide arcing systemic problems that are not being addressed by the, the D&D one process. But and I want to I want to like highlight them and then I want to like 
call out to action because a lot of these problems have the same root cause and we can we can address that same root I, cause. I have a question do, uh, yep. uh, do you, are these problems with dnd next or are these problems with like dnd5 also well five certainly is is the foundation of dnd1 slash the, the the like whatever right. is yeah. coming after the, they started proposing a bunch of pretty interesting changes but they have dialed back a lot of them. So I feel like there's like pressure now. There's people stepping away from making the kind of systemic changes that I think are necessary right. to save D&D. But, and, and just then also to, to level set here, though, this is a gaming system that like professional video game people were like, yeah, we'll just use this system for our AAA title, Baldur's Gate 3. Yeah, I mean, they weren't just like, hey, let's do it. You know, Baldur's Gate has a There's a tradition there. There's yeah. a tradition. The The... Like, that's part of what spurred a lot of this thinking for myself was, like, experiencing another twist on the rule system that they put into Baldur's Gate 3. Mm -hmm. But I thought for a long time that, like, D&D 5th started with a lot of really cool ideas and kind of dropped the ball as the system has has developed. And I think I've, I've heard a lot of other people on the forum saying this. And some of the arguments I'm about to put here are not, like, totally original. Okay. The, people have, have made these criticisms before. But I think it's worth it to assemble the criticisms together and just get a look at how awe-inspiringly terrible the system is, is like, falling apart as, as it ages. All right. Hit, hit, hit it up. You ready for number one? Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. I wrote, what is wrong with D&D, John destroys hasbro that's right so number one okay this is like the the we can go into the math here. this is the only place where that i might get mathy but i'm gonna avoid it if i can so let's let's see how it works and i have written down here as my title for this one is defense is cute mm -hmm. so when a character is is going to attack another character a bunch of defensive elements come into play right so right. you have like the armor class yep you have the number of hit points you have potential resistances you have abilities that they might have. You have items that they might have. Whatever. Every one of these things presents a different element of defensiveness when you go when you go to defend. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, these are not actually independent defensive systems. There's only one defensive like one defensive state, which is your character is dead or your character is not dead. And all of the things that that we talked about before saves, HPs, ACs, resistances, uh, class abilities, and whatever. They kind of like delay the HP to zero condition. Uh -huh. And a, so this seems okay, right? A consequence of, of that is that the effects of them apply multiplicatively rather than additively when, you're, when you start mixing together the probabilities of outcomes right. and, and combining these things. That makes sense, right? If you're flipping a coin, you flip it once, you have a 50-50 chance of right. You, fl you flip it twice, there's four possible outcomes. You flip it three times in a row, now all of a sudden there's eight possible outcomes. And and so even though you're, you're taking another 50% at the end of that chain, you, the, like the, the the result is the same. Imagine if you had a system where a fighter did one point of damage, had one hit point, and had a one hundred percent chance to hit every time it swung. Mm -hmm. Everything has one hit point. Everything does one damage, and everything always hits. Yes. But you have your defensive items are a fifty percent reduction in your chance of being hit. Right. It might. It, that sounds kind of balanced. I have a shield. Okay, now half of the hits miss. Now, uh, now I have a little bit more. And then another guy has a, a helmet and a shield, and it's fifty percent and fifty percent. So he has a one in four chance of dying. But just imagine, you add another one, and now it's one in eight. And you add another one, and now it's one in sixteen. This that kind of thing. One player being a one in sixteen chance to kill, and another player being a one in one chance to kill. That happens in D and D. Yeah, I and, mean, I, I had a character who was basically unhittable other than mental attacks early early he was like at like yeah like level 10 or 11 right it was like a, a right set of ac 
feats, weapons, and whatever else. And it was just like if the, he was in martial combat or even area effect combat, like if it was physical things attacking him, you were like, well, it just doesn't hit him, like yeah. or, or nearly never, like. So when they when they first released fifth edition, they really really wanted to to do what they call bounded accuracy, right? They like old editions, the numbers would go crazy. So in this new system, they tightened down the accuracy of attacks. There were fewer ways to get bonuses to your attack rolls. There were fewer whatevers. As the system has developed, there have been more and more ways to get defensive benefits and fewer and fewer ways or like no additional ways to gain accuracy benefits. And so the monsters are, are kind of feeling overall weaker and weaker and weaker. And the system resultantly becomes impossible to balance because you have on the one hand, a fighter who has like five or 600 effective hit points with his AC being high, his con saves being high. He has defensive abilities that might be shields. He might've taken a feat that lets him teleport. There's all kinds of different things that create this like panoply of defensive abilities. And then the wizard goes and gets a, a tinier subset of those things. But to, for any ability to have a chance of threatening the fighter, it has to absolutely obliterate the wizard. Mm -hmm. The fighter has just like so many more options. And then I can I can highlight three ways that the system broke down as the system developed that made this particular flaw worse. So this is like this is present in every every gaming system that there is, but it's like especially exacerbated in fifth edition. First, because because of the bounded accuracy thing I mentioned before, where like bounded accuracy doesn't go up, all of your abilities to get defensive items keeps going up, and then all of a sudden people are unkillable. Yeah, which again we've also seen as players when we went into Descent to Avernus, which everybody was yeah. like, "What? A, what a hard module!" And because we built our characters like not not even necessarily ultra optimized, but like built them reasonably, we like pasted that entire like yes module because so the, the monsters the, couldn't the, hit us and it didn't matter. The game is essentially over at ninth level, right? <clears throat> like like your your defensive abilities have totally overtaken anything's ability to threaten you at that point. The the other two ones that compound that are shield the spell mm -hmm. which gives you a huge bonus for one round but like the threatening part of a combat might be one or two rounds so yep. this effectively makes you unhittable for every minute of the fight that matters mm -hmm. and then the other one is the hps being unbounded so in older editions of DD, they had a, a tighter restriction on the amount of hit points you gained first as your base hit dice but then also as your like per level bonuses from constitution yeah, like wizards famously had 1d4 hit points right With, yeah but also their con bonus maxed out at plus two yeah Whereas in the current system, they, you know, wizards are getting a D6. The con bonus can go as high as it wants to. But additionally, in second edition, which this, which fifth is based on, your hit points would stop advancing at level 10. So, like, the overall health pools were much, much, much smaller. Which kind of makes sense in a certain way. Like, your hit points should be sort of, like, bounded by your, like, species, right? Like, there's... Well... You know what I mean? Like I, I, I want to stay like... away from the subject of fixing because we could talk forever and ever and ever about the different ways to permutate out... No, I, I, yeah, but I'm just saying, but, like, you can see how they got there, right? Whereas just sort of, like, you know, yeah. like, Conor McGregor or whatever is, like, a level 10 fighter and, like, he, he's more resilient than you or me, but there's a cap there. <laughs> you know, like, he... As, as he might get better as a fighter or something, but, like, he's not... There's a certain point where I feel... You can make the argument that you get more powerful, but you stop yeah. gaining, like, hit points. You're still ostensibly a meat person in D&D &D okay. in most cases. So defensiveness overall is a gigantic cluster. Got it. Okay. So now let's move on to the next one. Just the one point you gave me there was, like, the NHL in 1996, yeah, where pretty much. the rules had gotten completely out of hand, and Scott Stevens was able to murder people and poor wizard Paul Correa 
had to eat all the hits with his head. <laughs> and thus end his beautifully strategic high skill career because players like Scott Stevens were allowed to just hit him in the helmet <clears throat> as hard as they possibly could. I, I was also gonna say that's, when... that's the problem. Less scoring was done. Well, but then I was gonna say the other the the, the other NHL uh, analogy would be just like when when trap hop hockey became a thing, where everybody got so good at defense. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like as it as it progressed out, you just like had everybody playing shitty trap hockey, and then no goals, and you're sort of like, what game am I playing? If nobody's scoring and they're just wailing on each other and doing no damage, well, no, but I mean they're doing physical damage and they're you know concussing people, but they're not scoring on the score sheet, which is where it would matter. And and the wizards right. are dropping. Next one, yeah. Offense. So that was all of defense is fucked up. Let's talk about offense. So bigger nets. the bigger nets. Um, so look, you're, if you want to <laughs> if you want to grow your character's offensive capabilities, ideally you want to find a way to do the geometric expansion that we described before right but going the other way so you want to find different different axes upon which to grow your offensive capabilities in in fifth ed they restricted everybody they dragged them all down so that there weren't any of those things except for two feats that exist in the system that are that if you take them you dramatically increase your your damage output and if you don't you just don't it's like they will they like intentionally put this system in where you're either opting in to be overpoweredly uh, uh, like offensively capable or you don't and it's just a dumb mistake and they even went on the record saying that they put really crappy feats in there to uh, to make people feel clever for not taking them what <laughs> yeah we're gonna come back to that in the feet section but I want to just stick on offensive here uh-huh. Um what is a consequence of that? Like you played in a party where people didn't have, like they do or don't focus on those feats. It's like combat expert or crossbow expert slash sharpshooter. Yep. If you're a ranged fighter, you, you like, you know, a level five ranged fighter without it will do 20 points of damage and a, and a ranged fighter with it will do 60 or 80. Yep. Like the difference is just absolutely absurd. And because that's the only place that you can go to really expand out your damaging capabilities, everybody who wants to do melee or range damage has to take those feats. Yeah. They're not allowed to take the other feats. You have such a limited number of them anyway. The whole game looks that way. Across all of the fifth ed world, there are just like dozens and dozens of people taking halberd, you know, like a polearm master plus great weapon master, or yeah. they're taking crossbow expert plus sharpshooter. Yeah. And, and basically, yeah. and then and any other, I mean, I guess we're not really in feats and spells, but it's just sort of like... You, you don't you take a feat or a spell that gives you advantage. That's and that's the one you take at all times. Like, yeah, it's a, I guess a, a some a function of that. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't know if there's too many feats that are going to get you advantage all the time. Usually, advantage is coming from, um, uh, from like temporary abilities or or sure. temporary buffs. And I like overall, I love the notion of just like you have advantage. You roll two d twenty. Boom! It's like slick and fast and fun. Yep. But it kind of it falls apart when you have characters who can reliably self-generate advantage and then once you have advantage there's no benefit to getting a second time so if you can find a sneaky way to make sure that you have it for yourself all the time like three quarters of the of the tactics of the game vanishes and then you just always hit because the game isn't ready for you to always have access to well, yeah like when i had uh, yeah. the flock of familiars yeah, three familiars flying in means three. The three next attacks will be advantage, 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 and that's just yeah. Not- it's not so bad because that, in that case you saw, you lost your concentration for it. 
But sure, there but are I, other characters. You, you may mm-hmm. recall that I was clank clank. Didn't need concentration for nothing except for those familiars. Yeah. Yeah, in general, like I mentioned it before, the feats, which are like a core progression part of the system, are in this this like horrible place where you're either taking the damage you're taking ones good that, ones or fun ones, or fun ones, or completely useless ones because they were designed to make you feel clever for not taking them, and then you take the the things that you want to be special about the fighting classes, and now you've made them be this thing that anybody has access to according to feats, and then. You, you take other unique character elements like um, like Misty Step or there's like a bunch of spells that you can get access to by taking those um, Fate Touched or Shadow Touched feats. And you take the unique elements of, of one class and you give them to the other classes by making them available in the feats. That was a which, whole like, other the, discussion, right? Like that, that yeah, was... Dilutes the identity. Yeah, yeah. Dilutes the identity of all the character classes and whatever else. But And that was like... Everybody want Like it was... I, I don't say this to insult anyone but they were just sort of like everybody wanted their character to be like a unique snowflake and i feel that that's like a drizzed problem <laughs> whereas well, like that's that's part of dnd it is but like i said but i i don't like i like i find like, like i think i've talked about this in in either on the podcast i've certainly talked about it in the game like i find multi-classing to be like a questionable role play element because like how do you learn it you know, like if there isn't someone to teach you how to be a fighter, how can you just be like, oh yeah, next I leveled up and I multiclassed into fighter? And you're like, what is happening? Like if you want to try to make like a, a, a an enriching like role play environment, I'm not talking like game mechanics environment. Multiclassing makes zero sense. I I be I've been fighting for I disagree four. Completely. I've been fighting Absolutely. for four lizards and now I'm a wizard. Like no, I, no, I, you no, no, no. You're mixing up. Element. You're mixing up different elements. You're mixing up the the progression as your character gains powers from what the like what the sum set of abilities that they have is. And it, yes, you're a level one fighter, level four warlock. You you can declare yourself as that, but you could also just say, I am like a brutal arcanist. And it, you don't, you ignore the notion of fighter and warlock and just, you have some fighty powers and you have a little bit of warlocky powers. So you can, you can assemble those things together. Depends it on how you go. I mean, I, I, was, I, I mean, Gandalf was good with the sword. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he used the sword. He, but, yeah. he could cast fireballs and he was just like, I'm going to attack this guy with the sword. Sure, but but it's still like it's a weird level progression to just be like, hey, by the way, I suddenly can pick locks. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That suddenly thing though is is just like the system being you you get an arbitrary point and you get your new powers. Sure. But the intention of it is that you are practicing and training and developing your skills on the side. I don't think any of this is, is part of my systemic no, problems. No, 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 no. List, so I'm gonna I'm gonna step on to the next one. You're talking about progression, okay? Uh-huh. That's very good. This is one of the worst parts of D D ever, okay? There's a scale in D&D. The scale comes from wizards. At a first level wizard is still a wizard. He can cast spells from any spell any spell school that there is. Yeah, they're all level one, but his spell book has six different spells. They can do a wide variety of things. They, you know, that's level one. Mm-hmm. Level 17 is more powerful than fucking Doctor Strange. It's, I can cast a spell and create a temporary dimension to put myself into. I can make myself immortal. I can cast wish and like alter the the cosmology of the universe. That's level one to level seventeen, and then according to a wizard, and in the, along those steps, every two levels they get a dramatic and definitive increase. Right, they get access to another spell level. There's nine spell levels. You get a new one every two levels. That's the scale, right? Where do rangers fit on that scale? Like, what is the maximum power fantasy of a ranger? Is, I, is it more than Doctor Strange? I have, I have so. four favored terrains. <laughs> right. Ooh, and I get a plus, I plus my wisdom bonus on one attack per round. Huzzah. Like, 
again, hang on, hang on, hang on a sec. That that basically, I mean, if the Ultimate Ranger comparison into comic books is, is Wolverine, I can't be killed. I regenerate. I live in the woods. I can track anything. I'm the Ultimate Marvel Ranger. Maybe. I I fight. I, I can't fly, but look. I, Doctor Strange stabby, could still stabby. be like, all right, Logan. And now I'm on the Avengers. You're, you're going into a pocket of it. You're giving Doctor Strange could still be like, all right, Logan, you're going into a pocket dimension. And Wolverine would be like, damn. I mean, I there's there's a part of X Men comics where he gets sucked into the McCran crystal and uh, becomes Lord of the Universe. So Wolverine yeah, is, is a Wolverine? pretty fucked up character. Yeah. No, I know Wolverine yeah, in, also like in the eighties. In the 80s, freaking Chris Claremont had a drop of his blood hit the McCran crystal, and his healing factor was so hyper-powered by it that he regenerated himself inside the pocket universe of the crystal, became God, and then uh, had Storm talk him down and just recreate the universe exactly as it was before uh, Deken, Emperor of the Shi'ar, went crazy. Yeah, we've also the comics like at, at, the peak, <laughs> at the peak of his healing abilities. Also, like depending on how 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 he's written, they they said that like if a single molecule, like if he's not completely atomized or whatever, he will still regenerate. Right, like he got completely incinerated down to the like adamantium skeleton. He was like down in hell talking to Mephisto, who we discussed in previous weeks is actual Satan in Marvel. And then he's like, I'll get you one day. Wolverine's like, no, you won't. And just like, just put, okay. gets back out of hell. The skill system is garbage. Skill system. The skill system in D&D. What I is agree. the skill there's, system? There's four you of roll, them that are good. Right. You roll a D20. If you get up to the, if you get the number that is the difficulty, you win. Right. So it's good for jumping over a pit or it's good for like, did I, um, like like anything that has an immediate binary pass fail output and is can, instantaneously resolved. Can I ride this tiger? <laughs> well, even there, like imagine that like one roll and the outcome is decided is the opposite mm-hmm. of what you can do to build dramatic tension. Like the tension is instantly dissipated because you know the outcome as after you roll the die. I I agree with you, John. Every role playing yeah. game I've ever played, the skill system is garbage. Yeah, and like. The, the the thing is, this one you can kind of like say, if you're doing a pure action fantasy adventure, like high speed, this is what you want. You want to be able to just like, okay, the, the barbarian jumps over the table, roll athletics, bang, you're done, you're over. And like, that's fine. But there's huge swaths of the game that are not that action fantasy setting, that are not at all supported by this, that desperately need like a like something more than just you do it or you don't. There needs to be a grade, graduated outcome. Yeah, There's like nowhere I, that this is more obvious than in, in persuasion. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I was going to say, and like other systems do have it, right? Like the the Monster of the right, Week uh, like system or whatever, where it's very, very difficult for you to get a complete success. Like the default is usually like mixed success. Like yeah. that that is your normal success level is like you kind like you get the thing, but something is messed up, you know, like like a... A complete and total yes success is a difficult thing to do in certain systems, which mm-hmm. is super cool from a from a narrative and a growing tension thing. It's like you you lock the door, but uh, something is jammed in it, or it won't unlock. It doesn't need to be like a massive fail, yeah. but like you have all of these all of these like tools in your thing to say, to build dramatic tension, so, so which are limited with the, a yes no pass fail. The skill challenge that came in with the, with fourth, right? They were attempting to do that, and of mm-hmm. course, everybody's so like 
pissed off at fourth, all the good stuff disappeared too. Mm-hmm. They they tried by having you know accruing successes as you go over and over again. But again, like every player just contributes a single pass fail rather than like like a white wolf uh, skill check that might have been you need forty successes. And the wizard rolling his like twelve arcane dice is going to contribute way more to the outcome of it than the you know whatever yeah, yeah. who's rolling three dice. Um, there's a lot of different ways to go on this, and and D and D has been totally afraid to to commit to any of it. The Alien and uh, Blade Runner games I have from Free League are like that too, which which is there's a lot of like really really cool stuff in there, and I love. Like I said, I love the idea of Pat like succeeding at something. Like I, I think I talked about the Alien stress dice which are mm-hmm. friggin' fantastic because it's just sort of like as you get more stress, you get your dice pool gets bigger. Like think like werewolf style. But mm-hmm. if you roll a one on a stress die, like they're a different color die, uh, something bad happens. You can still pass, but it's like something just you freak the fuck out. It's just, just like yeah. it's just like a super fun system. You're like as your character gets more stressed, he actually has a higher chance of succeeding, which is what you want in an alien yeah. chasing yeah. you yeah. game. But then you also like the a catastrophic downside is like ever lurking every time you gain those stress points. Super fun. Right. So what is the result of all of this? Like all of these systems that sort of work in a little bit, they all combine to create a game where when when your character is lower than level four, when you're about to level four, they're not really into their full character identity. And then these rules are broken down and fallen apart, and the game kind of isn't fun as of level eight anymore. And these rules have all been, been trying to accommodate two very different styles of game. Right. This is like part of part of the, the explanation of why things got to be all this way. We started with a game that was like five rooms. Each room has an increasingly powerful monster in it. You walk from room to room and kill them all, and then that's the night. That's what D was fifty years ago. Dungeon Crawl, and, and it was like an extension of wargaming, really. Exactly, it was an extension of wargaming. So there was like even a little bit of that like wargaming tactical modeling, and there was also the like. Your fighter died at level three. Oh, who gives a fuck? Pop out another one. I'm going to play with the wizard Timmy today. Oh, I got to level five. Cool. And then he dies. Next one. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, that is not the same game that we play these days where there's role playing. You have stories, you know, character arcs. You expect your characters to survive a lot more. Things have changed dramatically. And the rules are still trapped between supporting action adventure and, uh, like, a more, a more nuanced, complicated you know, interesting situation. Yeah, and like, and the reason people play, or not say the reason people play D anD D, but like the reason why D anD D is having like a cultural moment is is your critical roles, is your adventure zones, like all of those like these role playing games, which are very rules light. Like they're D anD D, so you can like, ah, he's, you made a saving throw. I understand the system, but like they're mostly just voice actors performing and having a good time. Yeah, with the occasional D twenty roll, kind of good. Which is not necessarily the rule for every role player, though. There are lots of people who like role playing games for reading all the books, figuring out all the loopholes, and stacking all of those numbers on top of one another, and then all of a sudden it's fucking. Shuri, Arnim Zola, Black Panther. I'm Sensei Ledoux, and you will find my character quite unkillable, Dungeon Master. <laughs> You've got eight million in each lane. Yeah. <clears throat> because right. they went to ninja school when they were 14, and I also studied with the druids uh, in the eastern townships. Oh, wait, and... you're a druidic ninja? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. And they're in touch with all the natural poisons that they Which has always to... bummed me out. 
because there is a game for you, and it's called Warhammer. Like, it's fine. Like, okay. <laughs> like, the war games exist. <laughs> like, that's... That. <clears throat> All right. And, but you're right, though. I mean, I, I find, especially when you look in the role-playing game space, the games that a lot of people really enjoy are these, like, narrative games where they're sort of like these fast and loose sort of like uh powered by the apocalypse system and all that stuff a lot of these like narrative games are very cool the alien game and all that stuff free league won a bunch of uh awards and all that stuff and they're all kind of like leaning towards rules light but then you have D being the heavy hitter which is stuck in this tactical war game space which is the like, thing is, it isn't quite. I think it's a, just a little more subtle than than being locked in its tactical wargamer roots. And I will explain what I think happened. What I think happened was they tried to change a bunch of shit and experiment and fix a lot of these problems, and they did it with Fourth Ed. And at the same time as they tried to fix a lot of these problems, the Hasbro guys put their finger on the button and said, "Some of those changes have to help us sell plastic figurines." Yeah, and some of those changes have to help us sell sell books. And so wasn't that, third that ed a big a big in. plastic figurine sales pitch? It, not it was fourth ed. Fourth ed. Fourth ed. Fourth ed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and the thing was, they fixed a lot of these like mixed up problems. And when the reaction to fourth ed was to throw it out and to and to do fifth, and then fifth was a throwback, not even to third but to second. They they threw out at the same time a lot of the learnings that would have uh, maybe modernized it and. Having listened and read on the forums people's responses to changes, people are fucking petrified. People freak out. Think about all the like D and D nerd guys in my category that you know. How many of them are like a little curmudgeonly like things the way they like, don't like changes in their D and D game, and are willing to complain about any change whatsoever? Yeah, which, which, which again I feel bonkers because I think we talked about it on the show. Is second ed still exists? Nothing stops you from picking up a second ed book and playing it, right? If you're playing the new game, why is there such an importance that it's just like the old game? Well, that let me take that a step further. If all of you are more into role-playing oriented, not super tactical, overly complicated, min-maxi benefiting stuff, mm-hmm. why is there no other high fantasy option? Yeah, but why are they always like that? Why are they always like just super niche? smaller always with some kind of gimmick in them like this this system is great it's all about if you're five-year-olds it's like well maybe what what about if that system was great and i was a knight no no this system is great if you're a jelly bean it's like oh and Um, and that's and that's the brand right you you associate the the idea of saying i want to role play and play a knight, an archer, a thief with Dungeons and Dragons so strongly that no one else is ready to step into that that sphere with a whole new system. Nor, nor no... can they presumably release a book a month or whatever. Like, well, it's, it's, there's, a, there's a machine that is churning these things out that is very difficult, I think, for someone to get into that space. Because you're the, like, oh, the thing gonna... is, yeah, what I'm talking about here might be exciting for them. Because what I think is the solution to this problem is is like mega structural changes to D&D. And it might mean no armor class. It might mean, you know, everybody who's medium size gets the same number of hit points. It might mean instead of nine levels of spells, there's four. 
it might mean like there's there's like changes like that freak people out on the forums and they're like fucking D D isn't D D if it doesn't have wizards with ninth level spells and those responses and the and the inability to explore those design spaces lead to the game D D being this like fractured fucked up mess that it is and it'll never get any better unless unless the designers are free to start exploring uh like big 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 changes so why not do two D Ds? Like one that's full of nine levels of spells. That's something you know, a hundred feats, and they stack, and like it's for the min-maxing power gamers. You know, something more advanced. Oh, an advanced D and D, you say? <laughs> and then one that's like based around role playing and and balanced character levels, and like all of the adventures can be set knowing that characters will be in this level yeah i actually think as as i was preparing this talk i imagined what uh, a game system would look like where every every like game structure would have a rules light and a rules heavy version like mm-hmm. you could be you could be a, like a fighter with the with the like simple version of weapons and still play in the same rules still play like fight against the same monsters alongside somebody with the fighter expanded weapon kit like, mm-hmm. that should be doable in a way that's balanced right, against each other. Right. Okay. So, at the end of all of this, <clears throat> what, am, what am I saying here? I'm saying D&D really, really needs favored, favorite, core, legendary parts of D&D to disappear and to be remade. And, like, as players and as the stewards of the hobby, we can either limit Wizards' ability to experiment and fix these problems. I, mean, or... I think we discussed this earlier in the show. You can't limit a wizard. They can create universes in their heads. Yes. I'm, I shouldn't have said I should have said Hasbro. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, <laughs> the Wizards of the Coast. The, 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 I have... We discussed this in another episode. You can't limit Hasbro. It will just buy everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. The thing is, like, they should even be on board with a major refocusing of this. Or, like, like, let's say that we expand out the D&D 1 development process to be, like, three or four years, you know, and then they do, like, a really long thing. That that could generate player engagement in a way that D&D doesn't, you know, the, in a new way. I want to I just end off on what is perhaps the worst example of misbalanced or mistuned rules in all of the D&D system. I had to pick one as I was, like, going through all of this. That would be, like, my example of the worst. So I, I'll give it to you guys as quick as I can, okay? So what are we comparing? We are comparing barbarian level nine to wizard level nine. You ready? Mm-hmm. Your bar, your this is like this is like the middle of your main your 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 level nine. You're like at the height of your adventuring career. Probably your game is going to end around level twelve. You should be feeling great about every one of these levels. Here's level nine as a barbarian. You get brutal critical one, which means when you make a critical hit, you add an extra d12 to the damage output, mm-hmm. and you also get a plus one bonus to your rage damage roll. So every time you make an attack and you're raging, you get a damage boost. It goes from two to three at level nine. Ooh. Okay. And, and, so D, a, and D12s are, again, I mean, I'm assuming most of our listeners are either following right. along with this or have if, turned this if episode off. is still listening, they know <laughs> what, a, what a D12 is. But like, like, you know, but also, but I'm saying, but D12s are traps, right? Like you're, like 2D6 are infinitely better than 1D12. Not infinitely, by but, uh, 0.5. So a D12 has an expected value of 6.5. Yeah. You roll a d12, you expect to get a 6.5. You're going to critically hit one out of 20 times. Mm-hmm. So 6.5 divided by 20 is about one in three. Mm-hmm. You take you take 0.3 and you add it to the damage boost on your rage of one, and you get a damage boost of 1.3 per attack. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so that's what Barbarian level 9 yeah. is, is 1.3 damage per attack. A wizard level 9, wizard gains access to the fifth level of wizard spells. On that list is Wall of Force. Wall of Force might be the single most powerful like step in all of the game. Wall of Force lasts 10 minutes. There's no saving throw against its effects. You, like Just from an information theory perspective, you take any problem that you have and you divide it into two smaller problems for mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And that's Wall of Force. And Wizards get this game-changing, you feel like a superpower. This is like the first game-breaking spell, prob- other than Dimension Door, maybe, which is level 4. But this one is like absolutely game-obliterating when you get it. I've played two Wizards past the point of having the spell. You feel like you have a you have a nuclear weapon in your back pocket that will just win whatever scenario you're yeah, in. Yeah, here we go, Wall of Force. Yeah. And, and somehow, this, this, like, not only is it, like, fun and powerful, but it's, like, you feel like, oh, my God, I'm a badass goddamn wizard. I, I block off the dragon in a dome of force, and now we can all run away or, or whatever. It's crazy. And then Barbarians, it's like you don't even notice it. You could go your whole level 9 to 10. You don't roll a crit. Whoops. You mm-hmm. fucking, you got your plus one damage on every swing. It's just, it's so mind-boggling. These things are and, in the same game. But, like, to me, it's just, it seems like it's just a... a awful design flaw or whatever like like you know what i mean like like if you throw something into that if you're like oh i want to feel like something like an ultimate badass or whatever you know like if you make it i'm just trying to think of like what did it happen with like a barbarian where it's like every like once you hit an enemy or something it gets wrapped up in your rage or whatever else like that and like you could just break concentration no problem and all like you know what i mean it would still feel real barbarian-y like you're hitting someone with a rage, and like it ought, like you can screw over wizard. I know it's not going to feel like wall of force, but okay. I'm just saying, like, like okay. you can have weird game breaky barb powers that are. Not I have necessarily... a, I have a way to think about this that is gonna that is probably the most gamey nerdy difficult. Okay, check this out. Okay, the way to interpret these powers is to put the character through the lens of Mage: The Ascension, Second Edition, okay. and imagine. <laughs> If we okay, weren't, if we're, we weren't deep, deeply, deeply you, into nerdy shit, the audience we are fun. now. Okay, so you take imagine what can a wizard do? If I wanted to model all of the powers of a twentieth level D and D wizard, and I mm. and I was going to do it through the the spheres of Mage Second Edition, what would you need? You would need like seven in every sphere, right? That's all on the table across all of the spells that a wizard gets access to a level nine. Wish by itself is probably a seven in every sphere of Mage Second Edition. Right. What does a barbarian need to be barbarian-y to the level of a 20th level barbarian within the context of Mage the Ascension? Maybe two or three life, because he would he would be giving himself a boost to his health and to his strength and toughness. You could do that with two or three life. Maybe you would have like two points of spirit because a barbarian might have a couple of spirit summoning powers that he can get information out of. At level 11, you get like a nature commune, whatever ability. Mm-hmm. You might need one or two levels of matter because maybe you would be making yourself a little tougher, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's like the un- unarmored rage ability. What else is there? Fucking nothing. Six <laughs> spheres makes a 20th level barbarian, and tw- and like like 30 levels of spheres makes a level 20 wizard. The yeah. scales are just out of control. That wall of force thing is fine as long as it's like the level 17 wizard power, and then, and then now the barbarian is kind of balanced against against that. Yeah, yeah. Not Half of the wizard should be out of the game in the realm of, of something else. And I think, you know, I don't think the current developers of, of, of D&D are dumb, and I don't think that they're they're unaware of this stuff. I think the problem is that they post like, oh, okay, guys, we're only going to have four levels of spells. It's going to be better. And people go, 
no, my wizard has to have wish at level 17. And and then they were like, oh, okay, I guess we can't do that. And and now we well, can't fix the game. John, Mar- Marvel already solved this 20 years ago. Sold it to Fox? No, solved it. Marvel mm-hmm. solved it. How? The ultimate, ultimate universe. You just yeah. need ultimate Dungeons and Dragons, which is a brand new reset of all the Dungeons and Dragons stuff that runs completely parallel to your other Dungeons and Dragons. That that might be it, like like a rules light and a rules heavy version of the game mm-hmm. that would let them yeah. fix Captain fix, America. Fix Captain America just being a straight up. And even better, even crazy. better than that is you technically you need like. A PHB and a D and a like a DMG and a monster manual or whatever for both, but all your modules don't have to be because it would just be like yeah. you know like two mind flayers approach. Okay, you consult the D and D light for what a mind flayer is, or consult the D and D advanced D and D for what a mind flayer is. You know what I mean? Like your modules are just encounters. Yeah, so, like, you, you might you, you might even make the 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 D and D light combat stats a subset of the complex ones, so you'd only publish the complex ones, and you could easily like at a glance downgrade them into the more simple version. Yeah, but, I, but I'm just thinking that if I'm playing, no, D&D no, no, light, you I want I don't I don't want numbers. Books. Well, a you want to sell both books, but also yeah, yeah, if, yeah, if yeah. you're playing light, you don't want to see those complicated tables, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm saying you write your modules to be like light or advanced agnostic because they're just talking about characters and what and stats and whatever. And all the spells and feats and all that stuff exist in other books. Mm-hmm. Like that—that's probably your your easiest way. So your your modules are just adventures. If here your and your monsters are in another book somewhere, what their actual mm-hmm. stats are. So then you could sell both books, and you don't have to publish the one module without necessarily reworking it all. Yep. And your writers, anyway. those module, your writers of those modules can just be writers. They don't have to be fucking giant Game demon designers. nerds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Okay, that's my thing. Write to, write to wizards. If you go right now to D and D Beyond, you can make an account there, and there's like a submission form where you can talk about things. Link like this it. podcast. Link this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So while you were, I guess, planning this piece of uh-huh. content. Uh, I was probably seeing some of the most legendary hip hop artists perform live. Oh all, yeah, all, all at all at once. So many, so many, <laughs> so How many, many MCs. It's a lot of all timers on that list. It's psychotic. <laughs> like it's so yeah. So it, what I'm talking about is the Nas and Wu Tang New York State of Mind tour uh, with openers De La Soul. De La Soul comes out. They sadly only only play five songs. Uh, they played the, I can't even, it's all the broken. Where was it? Uh, it was at Plas Bell, which is like a huge bummer. I, yeah. cause like, so we're going to, we're going to talk about this cause we talked about it in the email thread today. It blow. So we're, I'm going to go through what the, what the show was. So you have Dola Soul, which are like an all time hip hop act mm-hmm. opening up for Nas and Wu-Tang, which are also both all time hip hop acts. Wu-Tang comes out, RZA Stuck comes out, he has this, uh, he had a dream, like, he's doing, like, spoken word poetry over, like, a, a RZA-fied Nancy Sinatra bang-bang, and then, mm-hmm. like, slowly starts substituting, like, he's like, bang-bang, and he was like, something-something, hip-hop, bang-bang, and slowly starts to switch the bang-bang into Wu-Tang, until he's just mm-hmm. saying Wu-Tang again and again, and then everybody's chanting. Again and again and again. Yeah, <laughs> then he introduces... All uh, 
<laughs> I guess eight members because Capadonna is technically a member of Wu Tang. The other eight members with a masked person. Also, oh, Young Dirty Bastard comes out to replace ODB, which is weird because he moves like ODB, and it kept making me uncomfortable. He doesn't quite sound like him because I don't think anybody sounds like ODB. He does the weird singing rapping pretty well, but like he comes like staggering in backwards and like doing his like hand waves and stuff. And I was like, I don't like this because ODB was not a good dad. <laughs> I was like, this, this kid has made a career of impersonating his father when we know for a fact that ODB was not a good dad. You don't think that kind of helps it, though? It's like you're helping him get his revenge on his dad for being a shitty dad. Like, I'm kind of on board I guess, that. but you're you also, know, like it's a, such a weird thing that your entire personality is emulating your father. That's who, not his entire personality. It's his show. His, his showman per- personality. Persona. But I mean, but like, yeah. like, that's how he raps. He raps like his father. Like, and it's mm-hmm. one of the, one of the most, like, iconic, like, singular sounding well? flows of hip hop is ODB rapping. Like... <clears throat> there's immediately identifiable. It's super weird to just emulate your father's thing when your dad was a bit of a insane. But does he does he do it well? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, He's like. He, he... I mean, Julian Lennon is listening to this, just protesting heavily. <laughs> I don't think RZA would let you. It. I don't think RZA would let you get on stage if you didn't do it well. <laughs> RZA mm-hmm. takes the Wu Tang Clan very seriously. Anyway, and then there's like a masked rapper who kind of is in the Method Man spot, uh, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, like literally, it's like in a suit and whatever, and and it's clearly not Method Man because again, Method Man also has a pretty distinctive voice. They rap their whole entire first set, then Nas comes out, uh, and they trade sets back and forth, kind of like New York City rap style. So it's like. Like, Wu-Tang set, Nas set, Wu-Tang set, Nas set, Wu-Tang set, and then Nas and De La Soul come back out for the final set, which is, like, one part. It's, like, half an hour long, but it's, like, technically, I guess, kind of like the encore. Uh, in the middle of the second Wu-Tang set, oh, I forgot to mention also, Wu-Tang is being accompanied by, like, an entire live band. So there's certain points where there's, like, 14 people on the stage, and that's just during the Wu-Tang part. It's, like, during the encore slash everybody out part there's like 20 something people there's like two bands two djs all of de la soul all of wu-tang nas the mystery rapper is revealed to be uh taleb kwali which is not who is not method man but is what what he's one, one two, two three, three. <laughs> exactly but just like who if you're not to hip-hop like did a bunch of stuff with uh mostaf mostaf i was gonna say like mob deep and i was like nope Black Star. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of Mazdef stuff. Uh in the middle of um the yeah, so it's in the middle of the second set and they're playing you know, like Rizza comes out and is just sort of like, I don't care if you're from the north, like the south, like if you're east coast, if you're west coast, it doesn't matter where you're from. Wu Tang clan ain't nothing to fuck with, and then obviously they go out. And then when it hits Method Man's verse like, the Method Man comes out, even though they did a fake-out that he wasn't there in the initial introductions of the clan. Like, Stone Cold Steve Austin levels of pop. Because Method Man doesn't always tour with them. And even on this tour, he's been, like, 50-50. <laughs> like, it's just a thing. He's, I guess he's busy? <laughs> I don't know. Like, Scott's shaking his head. I mean, he's like, he's, he's like 50, and he really wants to be an actor. So I guess, but yeah. like that's cool. Yeah. No, but like fucking Method Man, 
He's yeah, a exactly. guy. Yeah, Method Man is like a dude. He's a guy. Is, yeah, exactly. That's it. He, he's the, the hype guy, whatever. But like, again, there was like some guys in front of us who just like basically were just sitting there with like their arms folded, like nodding like contentedly along with everything, who then like screamed and hugged each other when Method Man came out. Like they had just been watching like 40 minutes plus of Wu-Tang Clan, De La Soul, Nas, just like annihilating, slaying every song, like one song into the next, like mashup styles, like all kinds of stuff, all kinds of greatness. And they were just like, yeah, this is, they were like, this is good. And then Method Man came out and they were like, and like freaked out and like high-fived and hugged. (laughs) That was the, that was the pop that Method Man had when he came out. It's like 85 Hogan. You could go see a wrestling show, and you'd be like, "Yeah, Macho Man, look at that! It's it's Honky Tonk Man. Yeah, uh, King Kong Bundy is huge. Yeah." And then Hogan comes out, and you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I I I didn't get the initial pop because, like, I mean, it literally you didn't expect him to come out mid song. <laughs> but then <laughs> then he then he rapped Method Man, which gets he gets to rap his own theme music, <laughs> which is also just great. Um. <laughs> And yeah, it just, I don't understand how there were, like, the, the it was sold out, but there wasn't, like, a big resale demand. Like, you could buy nosebleed seats off of the, like, certified Ticketmaster resale for, like, 85 bucks, like, day of. Mm-hmm. Which I... Well, it was Bell Center, right? Well, Place Bell. Place Bell. Laval. Yeah. Yeah, Place Bell, Laval. Um... Like, I picked up resale tickets because I was, like, asleep on it because I was like, oh, when it, when it got announced, I was like, that sounds cool. And I was like, wait a second. I need to know more about the tour. Because, like, like Wu-Tang has toured before with as Wu-Tang Clan without, like, half of Wu-Tang. Like, that's a, a thing that happens from time to time. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, I got to check the lineup. And then I was like, oh, crap, it's sold out. And I was like, I wonder how much resale tickets are. And I ended up paying, I ended up paying $200 for tickets that had $150 face value. And I was... Mm-hmm one section away i was like row h and one section away from the section closest to the stage like i'm absolutely not complaining about that 200 dollar ticket when mm-hmm. i could have when it was like a face value at 150 sucks to pay the extra 50 bucks but i'm like i'm not like oh my god considering that it was a thousand something dollars for resale for blink 182 <laughs> this summer there's no meaning. Nothing, nothing has any meaning anymore after Blink-182 tickets for $1,000. It, it, and, like, but if like we were talking about it, like, oh, uh, Pat was mentioning in the email thread. He was like, oh, like, but Blink-182 sold more records. I'm like, but they kind of even haven't. If you combine Wu-Tang plus Nas's record sales, like, it's crazy. And then if you start to split up the fact that, like, yeah, Method Man's the guy. Like, Method Man has another 5 million record sales mm-hmm. on just him. Like, as one of the members of Wu-Tang, because you're not just comparing Wu-Tang to Blink, you're comparing all of the members of Wu-Tang who've had solo albums, plus all of Wu-Tang, plus Nas, like, because they were both performing full-length sets. What is wrong with people? What about Delange's Journey to the Stars? That's what I was going to say. So so you're talking about, like, one of the most influential hip-hop producers and, like, eight, well, let's say... And a little literal star man. A literal star man. And, and just like, but just like musically, you're like some defining pillars of actual hip hop against like, what, what you made a frown? What, what does that mean? Defining pillar of actual. New York, New York City hip hop <clears throat> for the last 30 years sounds like Nas and Wu-Tang. The end. 
that's what they did. I Everybody's... mean, no, Keith, that's a bad argument. You can't you can't bring that up without talking about thirty years of pop punk. Yeah, yeah no, but that, but say, I can, yeah. but I but I can because you can because they, no 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 because they don't they don't sound like Blink One Eighty Two. Blink One Eighty Two sounds like a shitty no effects with more dick jokes. Like if it, if it was no effects, sure. Yeah, but like you don't get be... a simple plan without without Blink. You don't get all of that. Like you don't get Avril Lavigne without Blink One Eighty Two. I get a lot of But, you're, you're, but they're punk. already they're they're too far into it. I would like if you were to say oh. Uh, like I said, it's no effects or no use for a name or all them. Like I'd be like, yeah, those are your those are your pillars of pop punk. No, like I mean, no, I they're not they're, real punk. No punk. effects isn't real punk. They people pretend they are, but no effects is pop punk. Like, fine, MTV punk then. That's blank. That's not no effects. <laughs> I guess, but even even then, it's 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 the the the, the punk that gets you married to a Kardashian. Yeah. Anyway, but like we're not talking about non-comparables. You know what I mean? Like, even if you want, even if you want to give influence, just just talk about quality. Well, quality is a different story. But that's what I'm saying. But like, but there's no accounting for taste. Is my point. But I'm just saying. But like influence levels, I I think you cannot, especially with Nas in the mix. Like I was like, because you can say like Wu Tang, there are like Wu Tang is not for everybody. It's for the children. But it's not for everybody. Like it is there. Like even Sarah. Sarah was like, I could watch Nas go all night, and she's like, the Wu Tang. Yeah, Nas is your rap, your favorite rapper's favorite rapper. Like a hundred percent. And he also like like Wu Tang is always coming to it from a a more like technical bars count perspective. That they're like outside of Method Man, and I mean ODB in a weird way, but he's dead. There's not a lot of charisma in Wu Tang. Right, like they're 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 up there rapping unbelievably good, <laughs> but like if you were like, "What's Ghostface Killer's personality?" I'm like, he screams more than the other ones. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like Inspector Deck is a, a very very good rapper. Do I know? Like, does he have any charisma on stage? Not really. You know, Raekwon is the best rapper in Wu Tang, but he's just a guy standing there, kind of standing still, holding the mic, like. You're, you're, it's like what, like the difference between, like, you know, like when a punk band, like when they all jump at the same time and hit the guitar, does that mean they're good guitars? No, but it's entertaining to watch. And like, Wu Tang doesn't have a lot of that. Like, outside of Method Man, there's not a lot of charisma in Wu Tang. Nas, like, oozes charisma as a guy because he's a solo performer that didn't have Wu Tang clan around him for most of the time. And like you said, he's your rapper's favorite rapper. He's Barack Obama's favorite rapper. Like, there's a reason. I thought that was MF Doom. MF Doom does not have charisma, sir. No, but my favorite rapper's favorite rapper. From a technical perspective, you're yeah. you're probably probably looking at MF Doom. But for an yeah. all-around performer? Not Nas is the guy that took what MF Doom did lyrically and creatively and used that to sell records. And and, and hung it on a big sexy <laughs> hook. Right. And and, and like put Jay Z in though. his place. And like put Jay Z in his place. Like went 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 toe to toe with Jay Z and Wow. Yeah. MF Doom was like the fucking Daniel Johnson of rap. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it would be like the <laughs> fucking love like, him, but he's weird as hell. <laughs> like you, I guess like the equivalency of kind of like like a Slash versus Buckethead sort of 
situation. There you like, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like like B- Buckethead mm. is is an unbelievably technical guitarist, and probably like, way more technically talented. But fucking isn't weird. Well, yeah. sure, but I'm just saying. But also, but Slash is an extremely good guitarist. But like his licks just sound like you're like yeah, like all the time, and they're not just you know making his guitar sound like a laser beam, <laughs> like whatever else. He, Buckethead Slash is the guy that's ready to go up to the producer and be like, I'm gonna walk out into the desert, and I want you to circle me with a helicopter. You're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buckethead is, has released like, like 180 albums of guitar playing. And he's like, I'm going to walk out into the desert and don't you dare point a camera at me. Right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, un- unbelievably good show. And I, I just cannot, like to me, like even Sarah was not, not, not to say she wasn't sold on it. She was just sort of like, I was like, babe, it's, it's going to be a lot of hip hop. Like I like looked up the tour, like from, when from RZA's opening to like closing it off with Triumph averages about two and a half hours, and I'm like, I was like, it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's like I was like, it's and it and it's. I mean, it's the NYC State of Mind tour. I'm like, it's going to be all like Nas style. It's not a huge departure, other than like his big top forty songs. Mm-hmm. His like pure hip hop tracks are not a huge departure from like the Wu Tang like sound, right? So you're like, it's going to be that that style of rap for two and a half hours she's like okay i'm gonna go and then even two and she was like oh shit she's like have it i can sit there and enjoy what wu-tang's doing she's like i would she's like i would go see a Nas show in a heartbeat she's like i did not know he was like hmm. that good and that charismatic and like had that much stage presence and all that stuff like he's a complete total package rapper that i think every other rapper would want to be <laughs> anyway fantastic show i i cannot stress this enough and it boggles my mind that somehow like i was like you could put that that event like nas and wu-tang i was like that could headline an oceaga you would think you know like Mm -hmm. that's it's huge and and people were so into it also like if if you don't know like wu-tang and nas like just it's okay you can go listen to 36 chambers and ilmatic and just have a really good time listening to two records yeah, and then and even then, like listen, yeah, thirty six chambers, Wu Tang Forever, you go Illmatic, and what was the second one? I keep thinking Stillmatic, but Stillmatic is four, right? I think I want to mm-hmm. say. Then you got but, all. But Illmatic ninety five is like, it's it's like seminal. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and thirty six chambers is seminal just because it's so. So good. It, it's it's so it's so it takes. Like the the attitude of that early mid nineties gangster rap and removes so much of the, like and makes it about swords, endless, <laughs> endless, endless aggression and makes it kind of nerdy. It's so with, without, nerdy. without making it back into the fresh prints, right? Like it's, hmm. yeah, it's so it's, good. It's, well, there's so it's, much, it's, I mean, it, I, that, it turns it into a Godzilla movie where you're like, this is nerdy and cheesy and I'm just so happy watching it. Yeah. Without it being like, turning it into the Godzilla cartoon. Yeah. Where you're just like, this is just dorky. Your Wu-Tang style will match up against mine. <laughs> just like, even all their names are from old Kung Fu movies and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's so good. Like, it's it's such a, like, they're all their various aliases are Johnny Blaze and Tony Starks and whatever else. Mr. Like, Fantastic. It's, yeah. It's like, there's, there's comic books, Kung Fu, and anime, like, all over 
all over the fingerprints of the Wu-Tang Clan. And like you said, it's like, yes, they're rapping about gangster shit and shooting people up, but they're also, like, the, the mystery of chess boxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's nuts. And, and yeah, that was the other thing I forgot to mention, is that they have this big... Uh, so it's like, they're in front, and there's, like, multiple screens all up, and the screens are just showing... A, clips of their old music videos, which are kind of kind of fun to see them all, you know, young people in the 90s and whatever else. Um, like when Nas was doing, like, Hate Me Now, watching the video with Puffy is just some lols. But uh, <laughs> then, like, cut into it, there's, like, old anime stuff that's going. There's, like, old videos of Soul Train. You get to see some Speed Racer stuff, old Kung Fu movies, gangster movies with Christopher Walken, a lot of Scarface stuff coming up, and, like... Just all of this, like, and which sometimes they'll even, like, stop in between songs and, like, the clip will play with the audio, which is also a Wu-Tang album thing. Just mm-hmm. hearing the old kung fu movies just have a little bit of dialogue in mm-hmm. the middle of it. A soup, like, just a really, really well-done show. I also don't, can't remember any time where I've seen, like, a dual headline show, like, trade back and forth. Like, it's usually, like, one then the other. Not just, like, 20, 30 minutes of one guy, 20, 30 minutes of the next. 20, 30 minutes of the first guy again. Like, you know what I mean? Like... It was such a cool format that you sort of like, you're like, obviously you're going to stick around. People did not know this was happening. And a girl went to pee during Wu-Tang's first set. And then when she came back, Nas was rapping. And then her friend seemed, they seemed very upset because they thought that they missed all of Wu-Tang. And I was like, I was like, guys, they'll be back. It's okay. (laughs) Wu-Tang didn't play for 20 minutes and leave. (laughs) That's that's not what, it's not what's happening here. They were like, like, Wu-Tang's done? Like, no, <laughs> it'll be okay. Yeah, super, super, super fun. I uh, I was like, not even on the fence. I, like, I really wanted to go, but I was like, ah, uh, you know, how good is it gonna be? And it like exceeded and and surpassed all expectations. It was great. Right on. Yeah, some great crowd banter. Also, also, oh yeah, I will say it. So my my two cri- criticisms. Uh, I'll do the great crab banter and then I'll hit t- t- criticisms or whatever. At one point they were just sort of like, they're like, look, they're like, everybody up here with a microphone is older than 50 years old. He was like, Nas was the baby and he turned 50 this year. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, how many of you were born in the 70s? It was like pretty, pretty loud crowd. He's just sort of like, he's like, ah, he's like, not that loud, but I don't blame you. It's past your bedtime. <laughs> he's like, how many of you were born in the 80s? And like, huge crowd. Like, by far the loudest crowd. And he's just sort of like, it's past your bedtimes, too. He's like, people in the 90s, he's like, how do you have heard of Wu-Tang? <laughs> and then he's just sort of like, wait, hang on. How many of you were born later than 2000? And there's a whole pop. And he's like, okay, now you got to be quiet for the rest of the night because adults are talking. <laughs> like, you had your moment. Uh, yeah, so the tiny criticism was obviously, was a bit of a bummer that De La Soul only got five tracks off the top. But I, I get the functionality of that when the headliners are going for two and a half hours it was still like three hours straight of music and they got to come back later no and they got to come back later kind of coming out and mm-hmm. uh and working on the in the encore kind of section of it but it's still but like literally there were only like five de la soul tracks got played which is like a it's it's an opener but that's it that's a short set even for an opener like five songs yeah, but man if nas is 50 that means the guys in de la soul have to be like 63 <laughs> <laughs> at least <laughs> and they also holy crap like they did like a thing like 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 fake like bow and like one like f- like fell down and i was like oh man i'm 
scared for him because he is an old man who just like flat backed like a wrestler onto the stage. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, that was just like could could have done with a little bit longer. And at no point in time did RZA uh, get behind the turntables, which I was like, that's a bit of a bummer. Like just go up there and do some scratching and swords clanging and stuff. Like give me some RZA <clears throat> moments. Like it's weird. You don't think, Scott? I mean, yeah, but he's also made himself a front man, so. Sure. But, I mean, like, you, you can't... You're, guess what? RZA stops being the front man real quick when Method Man comes out. <laughs> like, as, as, as much as RZA's taken up the, like, the MC, like, position for Wu-Tang when Method Man isn't around. And, and like I said, I'm not saying he's got to be there the whole entire night. I'm just saying, like, you would. I really, really thought that they would, like, come back from one of the Nas sets and just to have, like, a two or three minute, like, RZA on the decks thing. Well, Keith, I, I, I got the thing for you for De La Soul. This is kind of sad that one of the members passed away in February. Yeah. We talked about this on this podcast. So, like, Dave. opening opening is, is fine, maybe. Well, I, I mean, like... I have some bad news about Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> ODB is very dead and has been for 20 <laughs> <Yes>. years. <laughs> I'm I'm aware. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Let's do the movie. Let's do the movie real quick. I want to get this done. We don't um, want to do that in the cool garbage. Time. <clears throat> no, you got you got to get you got to get a movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we we Even have I narrowed we, it down to two. Yeah, we okay. have we have two, both both featuring John Travolta. Oh, that's <laughs> such a giveaway. No, but do they? Do they? No, 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 no. I'm not. Hang on. I'm not. Mm. I'm not fully sold though. On this one, John Travolta—he's never been in anything bad. Facts. Never has. Uh, but we haven't talked about. But the other one's very funny too, though. The, the sequel. I think there's only one way to go with this one, in my mind. Well, now that you've said John Travolta out loud, you're gonna have to come up with a question that doesn't give it away. And I don't know what is that John is. Is Travolta in this one? I think we have we lost the. Are we talking about Battlefield Earth? But I even watched that for fun. That's 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 not even. No, the one the one I had was a Travolta. Pick it's it's a, it's a comedy, from a well known franchise. <laughs> I but so yeah. Um... He's he's in it. The other male lead from the earlier in the franchise is not in it. The other, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. <clears throat> so, wow. we're talking about, oh man, the other, okay, yes, okay, so we're gonna, I think we're gonna lock it in. We did, we're, we did talk about uh, Battlefield Earth, and yeah. you said, you, you I'm said pretty you sure some, I watched it, yeah, yeah, that's it. I, you said you possibly wanted something with like me on it, and there would be a lot to talk about on Battlefield <laughs> Earth, but that is not the one we're gonna go with, Grease 2. No, John Travolta is not in Greece too. Well, uh, you're right, the, you're they're right. telling me. They're telling me. Um, it's not just a comedy. I have the, the in my mic. It's a romantic comedy. A romantic comedy, apparently. Okay. Yeah. No, that kind of applies. Um, the the other male lead. The other male lead that is not in this film, but is in the other installments in the franchise, is Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis to John Travolta as the lead of a series. Yeah, they would go on to work together again in Pulp Fiction. 
Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> when? And they, they shared one scene together in Pulp Fiction, right? And I'm yep. not sure they shared any scenes together <laughs> in this franchise. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> in a manner of speaking, they did not. <laughs> I don't think I don't think Bruce Willis got even got <clears> to <throat> set. I don't think he ever appeared on camera. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Are these are you including geezer teasers? Are these like things that were released in the last no, two no, years? No, 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 no. This was no? this no. was uh, early nineties. This 90s. is like old OG from the early nineties. Fuck. I feel like I was reading about this late, a couple weeks late ago. Late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well this is like the, in, the... in the pre like pre Renaissance for uh um for Travolta. Travolta. Yeah, yeah. So the, yes, the, the franchise the, yeah, the franchise started in eighty nine and this okay. is the third film in the franchise. Damn. Who is the, the the female lead who stopped in the in the third movie? Um, Roseanne. Roseanne, that's right. So Roseanne was in the first two movies and not in the third one. Um, wow. Joan Rivers also was in uh, the, the I believe the second one. Is this a look who's talking thing? <laughs> oh my god, can you believe I got that? <laughs> I mean Bruce Willis, look. Roseanne, and Joan Rivers, right? Because Joan Rivers played the No, no, baby. no. The, the one that the one that gives it away is Kirstie Alley. She Kirstie was, like, Alley. The first one, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in all three. She, she Kirstie Alley, I would have nailed it right away. But... Oh, no, she's well, in all three. I was, I was holding holding off on Kirstie Alley for that fact. We were just oh naming man, the that's that's tight. <laughs> so anyway, the third, so the one. third look who's the third talking one. now. So, look, yeah. Like and yeah, yeah. and you know that look who's talking is is not that not that bad of a film, right? Oh, it's like no, a silly, silly baby's long. nonsense. And this adds while it so does bad. while it is a loss, there's the loss of Bruce Willis, Roseanne Barr, and Joan Rivers. It adds the voice talents of Danny DeVito and Diane Keaton as the dogs. I'm into that. The dogs talk Danny now. DeVito be a dog. <laughs> How bad look who's is it? Now. On a review aggregator, website Rotten Tomatoes, with 25 reviews, the film has an approval rating of 0%. <laughs> so this was the bad one. <laughs> uh, you, you asked for something, like, historically bad. So yeah. I went... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to look at what film zeros. One star out of four and remarked, it looks like it was chucked up by an automatic screenwriting machine, which I mm-hmm. thought is interesting because... This is the future that the writers are trying to strike against, which is the one films are just written by AI. So perhaps in 1993, this film was just well, written by an AI. Maybe this is the counterpoint. You know, this is what actual artists would crank out with Look Who's Talking 3. Maybe we need some AIs to fucking not make movies like this. Oh, man. These, <laughs> these, these very, very clever... Uh, I mean, I think I actually saw the first one in theaters. I think my parents took me to see it, and we all, th- all of us, like the three of us, walked out, and we were like, "Oh my god, that was fucking horrible!" Like ten-year-old John being like, "That was a bad movie." It's like memorable, you know. I mean, I don't remember them being that bad. I do remember them. I think uh, aging better. Like okay. I think that I think that you miss a lot of the like the grown-up Roseanne and and Bruce Willis jokes, like yeah. Like, just, you know, it's break. Isn't it crazy? Bruce Willis is like, change my diaper here, whatever. Like, uh, Gene Siskel calls it an abysmal, embarrassing sequel. Mm. Uh, Rita Kempley, very, very cleverly, said, take the DLE out of Poodle, and you've pretty much got the leitmotif of look who's talking now. 
The oh, light yeah, so party. Gonna, it's, wow. it's all going to be poop jokes all the way yes. through it, over and over. Poopy diaper jokes. Dogs, John. Uh, it's dogs. dogs. There's no dogs. diapers. There's no. Oh no no! It's all dogs in this. They just like yeah. gave up on the babies. Look who's talking now, and it's that's what I said. The it's babies are the don't talk. The babies are kids now, right. so they actually have real voices. And, and it's about two dogs coming into the family, and Danny DeVito, and it's the voice of the dog being like, "I really got to pee." Oh, that's a carpet. Uh, I peed on the carpet. Comedy. John John Travolta looks at the camera. Mm-hmm. But we, I was going to start from a million miles away and say Charles Barkley is as a creature as a cameo. <laughs> oh, man. Good stuff. Uh, I'm into this. this uh, is be P- Peter Rayner of the LA Times was somewhat positive, calling the film, and I quote, borderline pleasant. <laughs> <laughs> that was the positive review. That's the best review. <laughs> well, is it- like John, we, we we tossed the idea of just being truly horrible and went for like really Hollywood horrible. Just mm-hmm. no, I mean, no, that's so this good. is, this that's is good. kind of weird, right? So, I mean, we'll have to perhaps we can return to the well of the look who's talking because there is. So Leonard Maltin says the first one was cute, the second one was dreadful, this third entry falls somewhere in between. So Leonard Maltin thinks the second one is worse, but he has better mm. aggregate reviews. So hmm. I don't know what to do with that information. Leonard Maltin's a pretty respected movie guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. No Gene Siskel. You know, anyway, Diane DeVito's character, the dog, is named Rox. Diane Keaton's character, the dog, is named Daphne. Uh-huh. Rox. Yeah. Looking forward. And, and uh, if, you know what? You know what the worst thing about it is? I can almost guarantee you that even though it's a movie where Diane DeVito voices a dog, and he probably takes a shit on a carpet or something. I feel that the line, what? Poop is funny, is not in the film. It's too early for poop being funny. I know. But it was funny was, at the time. But, but, wouldn't it, but wouldn't it be hilarious if, if poop is funny originates in this film? It was a callback all along. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. Always Sunny was making a callback to look who's talking now. Uh, there you go, John. That was your watching assignment. I'm here, we, and we still have a really bad one in the tank for you as well. After that, oh, will, man, quite, that, would, that will question your belief in science. Hmm. <laughs> okay. That Why one. Do that cool. one. That sounds like fun. No, no. This, no. You, got, you want to do them in this order, <laughs> okay. and, and John, it's it's not fun. It's Keith's choice. <laughs> It's, uh, no, you'll be sad. <laughs> All right. It's a wrap. Hi. Thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. 
If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. 905.cc. <laughs> Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.